0: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash Daily Drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, August 18th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit.
1: And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, a new automaker changes course on its retail strategy. Dealers have questions. Testimony from Tesla engineers about the company's autopilot system becomes public. We'll tell you what was revealed. And Ford invests in an EV battery materials plant in Canada. Plus, we'll hear about the controversial dealership practice of spot deliveries and whether the FTC might soon crack down on it.
2: You're asked by a bunch of consumer groups to effectively make it where like a retail installment sales contract would effectively be final, where if a dealer couldn't find a lender willing to buy it, the dealer would basically be on the hook for kind of be the lender. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto
0: industry. Vinfast has had a big week. On Tuesday, the Vietnamese automaker debuted on the NASDAQ via a SPAC merger, soaring to a valuation higher than GM, Ford, or BMW. The stock has since fallen more than 50% from its Tuesday peak. The company also announced that it will change how it sells cars in the U.S. Its distribution model has been based on Tesla's direct-to-consumer approach. Now, VinFast wants to sell through dealers as well. The announcement created a mix of caution and interest among dealers. Several U.S. dealers told Reuters that they're open to the idea, but need to hear more about VinFast plans. They want to know about sales strategy, requirements for dealers, the company's parts distribution plan, and vehicle warranties. The carmaker has shipped nearly 3,000 vehicles to North America since late last year. In the first half of this year, data from experience shows that buyers registered only 151 new VinFast vehicles with state governments. Tesla engineers said the company didn't fix its autopilot
1: system following a fatal Florida crash in 2016. The information was revealed in testimony stemming from a lawsuit. It was filed after a similar crash happened about three years later. According to testimony from multiple engineers, the EV maker didn't make changes to its driver assistance technology to account for crossing traffic in the years between the two high-profile accidents that killed Tesla drivers. Tesla is in the crosshairs of multiple investigations over possible defects and autopilot linked to at least 17 deaths since
0: June 2021. Ford has plans to build an EV battery materials plant in Canada, costing nearly $900 million. It's Ford's first-ever investment in Quebec. The automaker is partnering with two South Korea-based battery technology companies. The plant will produce cathode-active materials, typically lithium, nickel, cobalt, and manganese, for Ford's EVs. The plant is scheduled to open in 2026.
1: Meanwhile, Ford will make its most powerful road Mustang ever. The 2025 Mustang GTD is equipped with 800 horsepower and comes with a $300,000 price tag. Ford says the car was designed for performance. It has carbon fiber body panels, magnesium wheels, a rear-mounted 8-speed transaxle, and a special 5.2-liter V8 engine. The company says the idea came from CEO Jim Farley. He insisted on a road version when he saw the GT3. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, I know VinFast isn't a company you'd bet all your chips on. They still have a lot to prove. But what are your thoughts on their new sales approach?
0: Yeah, just to be clear, as an automotive journalist, as a business journalist, I don't invest in individual stocks, nor do I short them. I think dealers have a lot of questions about this uh, retail strategy, which we outlined in the story. But on top of all that, what really stands out to me is this issue of the hybrid model trying to sell through dealers and direct to consumers, that's almost by definition, the thing that is most explicitly prohibited by state franchise laws. They just do not want the manufacturer competing with local franchisees. It puts them on a very uneven footing. So we'll see how this goes. Interesting, coming up, could the FTC soon crack down on dealerships
1: that deliver vehicles to customers without financing locked in? We'll hear more about that next
3: on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough?
4: This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of
0: peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move
3: first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and
0: I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much going it cost you? And that pay off big time.
3: I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available wherever you get your podcasts, starting September 11th.
0: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. A number of consumer groups are petitioning the FTC to halt spot deliveries. That's when a customer takes delivery of a vehicle before a lender purchases the finance contract. It's then up to the dealership to get the contract purchased as soon as possible at the same terms agreed upon with the customer. But sometimes the consumer needs to return later to the dealership to fill out more paperwork and maybe put more money down, leading to what critics call yo-yo financing. Automotive news reporter John Hutter spoke with senior editor Dan Schein about the FTC's latest look into dealership F&I practices. John, thanks
4: for joining me on the F&I Friday edition of Daily Drive. (laughs) Hey,
2: glad
0: to be
4: here. So you had a a story in... Uh, the F&I newsletter that came out on Wednesday, uh, pretty interesting about uh, the FTC, which is uh, three dirty letters to most dealers. And it's contemplating, or at least taking comment on spot deliveries and whether these should uh, be some changes proposed. There was a bunch of consumer groups that kind of petitioned the F- FTC to kind of change the way that these are done. Uh, fill us in a little bit about the uh, what the FTC is looking at.
2: The FTC has kind of a, a situation or they have a program in place where like third party groups can, um, you know, solicit potential regulations from them. And they'll, um, it kind of, it kind of goes through the process. Like they, you know, they'll post it in the federal register. They'll take public comment and, you know, and they got, they got a few on it and then, you know, and then it's kind of up to the FTC if they actually want to do anything with it, you know, it's, cause it's not necessarily something they were, Asked to do, in any case, yeah. So they're they're kind of, you know they're contemplating that right now. Um, they were asked by a bunch of consumer groups to effectively make it where, um, like a retail installment sales contract, you know, would effectively be final. Where if a dealer couldn't find a lender willing to buy it, the dealer would basically be on the hook for be the kind of be the lender. So. You know, obviously that kind of changes the, the equation for spot deliveries, because right now it's, you know, a lot of times it'll be conditional. Like you'll kind of sign the contract, but it's, you know, you'll sign something else that it's saying it's conditional on the dealer finding a loan. And that's something where, according to the groups, the consumers don't always understand that. And, you know, they had some examples also of ones where, you know, either, I mean, the, the language would actually in the original contract actually said it was final and had been assigned. So, you know, they had a few, you know, examples of that sort of thing or, you know, situations where you had a spot delivery situation, the dealership called the consumer back, you know, and then, you know, wouldn't return like the down payment or the trade-in vehicle. So that, that, those were kind of the, the the cases they were citing to, you know, make their pitch to the FTC.
4: What, uh, in response, what are the dealers? I know NADA did a written response to the FTC in the, during this kind of open comment period. What's the uh, NADA uh, on behalf of dealers? What is their kind of take on this?
2: Right. Yeah, NADA, their their point was basically, look, for dealers, they're not, you know, they would prefer not to have conditional deliveries, but it's something that consumers want because, you know, a dealer, you're letting a car drive off your lot with no, you know, a guarantee you've actually you know, locked it in or anything like that, which is, you know, depreciates the car and all that kind of thing. Um, so, they, but yeah, their, their point was they're responding to something consumers had asked for and kind of the, the situation, you know, the way that groups are asking the FTC to change things would really kind of, you know, cause a lot of upheaval in the car buying process today. Um, and you would have, you, you know, you could have a situation where instead of just a small subset of the people have to come back and re you know renegotiate find different contract terms if if it can't get bought everybody would have to come back and you know to f- sign the final contract is kind of the argument they're breaching their other point was that like you know some of the behavior that the groups are trying to check is bad they agree with that but it's something that you can address with normal you know with just the laws today and it's you know it's not something anybody's saying should be happening
4: I find it interesting, too, is that for this proposal, um, you talked to Jean Noonan from the Hudson Cook Law Firm, who's a former FTC administrator a long time, and she seemed to be of the opinion that this, this is actually something that the FTC will consider strongly to en- enact. What was her kind of reasoning why she, why she thought this way?
2: Yeah, it it was interesting. I did want to ask, you know, I did want to reach out to somebody and see if these petitions ever go anywhere or if it's kind of, I mean, you see like the change.org website or whatever the, you know, and and you can sign a petition to anything. But I mean, this process is a little more defined and, you know, and and formal. Um, And yeah, her her thing was that the, um, the petition itself was pretty well, well written, well, you know, well documented. And that it was something that the FTC might take a little bit more seriously, even though she hadn't, in all of her, she, I, mean, I think she'd spent like 20 years or more than 20 years at the FTC and never seen one of these, you know, go the distance, so to speak. But she thought this one could actually get strong consideration for the FTC. In addition, there, because of the uh, Supreme Court decision in the AMG case limiting, you know, some some of the options available for the FTC she, she was saying there's more of an interest in, among the agency in setting, you know, defined rules, because then it's a lot easier to basically, you know, do fines, do the kind of thing that kind of powers where you'd need to go through the courts or kind of, you know, we're kind of struck down, basically, the, the way that they had been doing things. So it just makes it easier to enforce than um, trying to you know prove that something maybe is an unfair trade practice.
4: Well, it's, it'll be interesting to, to watch and to monitor, you know, on, on the heels of the safeguards rule going into effect in June and, and other uh, proposed FTC kind of watchdog uh, actions. This is seems like another one that, uh, to pay attention to, and uh, I know you'll stay on top of it and have our folks out there keep reading automotive news and they'll, <laughs> they'll, you'll keep them, keep them informed on every twist and turn on this. John, That's thanks right. a lot for joining me.
0: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker.
1: Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer, Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode included reporting from our own Michael Martinez and David Kennedy with Automotive News Canada. You can get the latest news on product launches, automaker investments, and everything happening in
0: the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a look at some of the biggest tech and innovation news from the past week, including about how San Francisco is bracing for more robo-taxi rollouts. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.